0: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the editorial team at LinkedIn, I'm Jesse Hempel. And this is Hello Monday, our show about the changing nature of work and how that work is changing us. Today I'm coming to you from my home office, my basement. For the first couple of days it was kind of fun but it's getting really old. My new studio is on the guest bed and basement and my son keeps unplugging all of the equipment and plugging it in the wrong places. This new reality is really strange for a lot of us. Maybe you're suddenly working at home, maybe you actually have to go to a job and feel uncomfortable leaving. Or maybe things are totally normal where you are and you're looking around the rest of the world scratching your head. We've been encouraged to keep our distance from each other physically. It's how we help protect each other. It's important right now, but then there's this other challenge. How exactly do we stay far apart from each other but still feel connected? I have to think one big way we do that is stories. A lot of you have been writing to me about what things are like where you are. So this episode, I'm checking in with a bunch of you. And to be clear, this isn't the kind of polished show you're used to. In some cases, the audio is not great, but that's not the point. Now is the time to talk to each other. First up today is Becky Ansis. She lives in a coastal Chinese city called Xiamen, where she's been under lockdown for more than a month. Every time she enters or leaves her apartment building, she's subject to a mandatory temperature check. The university where she teaches is still closed. So we asked Becky to take her iPhone into a closet to get good sound, and she recorded this voice memo for us.
1: Everybody kind of knows this is a tough time, and even though we all have to sacrifice, we're still kind of doing it happily. Maybe not happily, but peacefully. But nobody's really complaining because we know that it's... If I'm getting checked, it means everybody else is getting checked. So that kind of makes you feel a little bit better. And everybody kind of knows like we're in this together, that this is a nationwide problem and we all need to kind of just band together during this time and stay at home. Of course, that can definitely get lonely. Um, Luckily, I live in a building with some other foreign teachers and we've been, I've been here for a long time, so we're, we've been friends for a long time, so especially when it was really bad in the beginning and nobody was really clear about what was going on and there was more and more cases every day, kind of during the scariest time. We just got together every night and watched a movie and a couple friends watching a movie makes you feel really good and really relaxed and just comforts you kind of in the scary time when you don't know what's going on. Also, um, I do have a boyfriend. He is in my city, but right now you are not allowed to enter an apartment building that's not yours, so you can't have guests over to your house that don't live in your building. So we have to go out um, to see each other. We have to go out to the street somewhere, but for several weeks, for maybe six weeks, most of the restaurants were closed. So we couldn't really do much except walk around on the street. (laughs) And um, one of the restaurants, we found an open restaurant, but the owner said we could not sit next to each other or across from each other, that nobody could sit next to or across from anybody. And all the tables were pushed against the wall. So there was only one side to the table. So we actually had to sit with our backs to each other (laughs) facing opposite walls while we ate dinner. So not exactly romantic. I believe that was Valentine's Day as well. So not exactly romantic, but I am lucky that I get to see him because he's in the city where many people aren't. People are beginning to kind of put down their masks a little when they're outside and walking on the street. But when people come to like a bus stop, or if there's several people on the sidewalk, they will pull up their masks. And I think it's partially um, a preventative measure That when you're in a larger group, like at a bus stop, you know, there's maybe more of a risk. But also, I think people do it to just prevent the possible spread. I, you know, don't trust everybody right now. (laughs) And you can have the virus and not show symptoms. So it does give a level of comfort that they're being um, so vigilant and that, you know, anyone who even kind of has a slight temperature is caught very quickly. And, you know, it kind of seems to be working because now after about eight weeks, um, things are getting better. There is a weird sense of community, or not weird, it's an unexpected sense of community that, you know, we can do this, we can get through it, and we can go back to our lives. And we're, we're doing the best we can here in China. That was Becky Ansis in Shaman, China. Becky, thanks for the
0: message. Emily Stratton is an online English tutor and an aerial dance instructor. She and her husband moved to Fargo from California last fall, and she started working with an online tutoring company called VIP Kids. While the virus still doesn't feel very present in her own community in North Dakota, she's been watching its impact for more than a month. So let's start with what this job was like in the little window for you before coronavirus came along.
2: It was very minimal so i was having two students a day maybe three and i would be planning and i'd make all these little props and i just really was going all in on the showmanship aspect of it because i really thought that's what would build my classes and that suddenly changed i woke up one morning and the absurd number of slots i had opened just hoping i would get more than two bookings were all filled because the break was technically over and no one was going back to school.
0: Did you already know at that point from the newspapers about coronavirus' impact in China? Or is this how you found out?
2: So I had an idea of what was going on, but I did not really see how much of a long-term impact it was going to have a lot of us figured, okay, two weeks, we're going to just work like crazy. We're going to take all these bookings. It's going to be great. It's only like two weeks. Two weeks turned into a month and it's stretching even beyond that. And we have to shift now like, okay, so this isn't a sprint anymore. What is my job going to be in two weeks? What are my hours? Is there going to be a drop-off? I don't know. What was it like to be
0: in the classroom with these kids who were likely undergoing a very stressful
2: situation? I usually work with younger kids, so there was um, less communication with the smaller ones about what exactly was going on, but with the parents who needed to be present, sometimes it'd be a little conversation of, it's a little wild today, we haven't been outside in like about a week, So apologies, say, of course, no worries. And as time went on about three weeks into, um, I believe cordon is the correct word, not necessarily quarantine, I'm not sure, but they started looking a lot more sad, my older students, and a little bit more kind of resigned to their fate. Um, I had one student say, I said, how was your weekend? And he said, I am bored. I don't see my friends. And I felt horrible for him because that's the case for the grand majority of these kids. So at that point, my job becomes, yes, you've got to learn English. But yes, I'm probably the only person outside of your family you're going to talk to today. So we're going to enjoy this. Like, this is going to be fun. And a big part of the goal was just... Let's make sure you're smiling by the end of class. With the nature of this job, there's a 50-50 chance you're never going to see this child again. You have to have give all of your enthusiasm and dump a lot of love at them and be very present and willing to build the relationship, but also be okay with the fact that you might never see them again.
0: Emily... What changed as we got past the moment when this was an immediate crisis and moved into this current reality? where in China, as I understand it, things are beginning to let up a little bit, but a lot of kids are still at home.
2: yes, it's been it's been actually pretty exciting for them, <laughs> a little. Confusing on my end as far as when am I going to work? But I had a student take her iPad outside with her, say, Look at my garden, look at my yard, that's my car. And it was totally fine. No mask, just walking around, showing me her house. And that was not a concern. Other people have had students actually doing their class on their phone as they're walking back from the store. So there's a lot more freedom. Um, That also means there's a lot more unpredictability for when am I going to work.
0: So for you, now that you have worked in this hyper-intensive way, you don't know what the future is going to hold. What do you want?
2: Well, I want to keep this job. The flexibility is ideal. And I really want to keep working evenings and not wake up at 4 a.m. So that is my goal is we're going to push for these evenings as long as possible. And when that changes, honestly, it's okay. It will become more real for people in this part of the country when it gets closer. It's so remote that even when you have people in the thick of it, there's still this barrier of, it'll be fine. So I'm very interested to see how this evolves for the Midwest.
0: Well, thank you, Emily. Hi, Thank you. Bye. That was Emily Stratton, an aerial dance instructor and English teacher in Fargo, North Dakota. And companies like the one she works for are doing very well right now, of course. But most businesses, especially small businesses, they're really struggling. Manny Yucutiel started a cafe and event space in San Francisco in 2018. It's called Manny's. The whole point of Manny's was to convene people for community conversations. Here's Manny. We've entered a moment where we're telling people to isolate socially, and I want to know what the impact is for you.
3: It really has only come to San Francisco very recently. I mean, this weekend I was out with my friends and I got a notification on my phone that a press release was released by the mayor saying that gatherings of people of 50 or more should not happen anymore. Uh, And then a second press release basically saying, I really meant it, no more gatherings. Um, And so that, that does affect my small business acutely. And so many of the
0: people that we've spoken to here at Hello Monday have jobs that let them work at home. They can open a laptop, they can make it work. But your job really doesn't work that way.
3: So when you walk into Manny's, it's a coffee shop and a nonprofit restaurant that's operated by an organization called Farming Hope, and they hire and train formerly homeless and formerly incarcerated individuals in the kitchen. And then there's a bookshop where you buy books physically, and then it's a physical gathering space. And I have event staff whose whole jobs are facilitating the in-person events. So every employee that I have um, cannot work really from home because my whole concept is about creating community in person. I know it's
0: only been a couple of days, Manny, Well, what's it meant for you so far? Are you seeing events cancel? Are you canceling events?
3: Yeah, we have seen a lot of outside bookings cancel, uh, most of them, um, for the next couple of weeks, which is hard because that is a big part of our business. So it, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Uh, you know, March is going to be a very, very hard month for not just us, but any venue.
0: So what does that mean for you as somebody who is, has to employ people? Do you cut back hours?
3: I haven't decided yet. You know, all small business owners, you know, feel a certain degree of loyalty and a burden uh, and a and a responsibility to their employees. You know, the hardest part about all this is staffing and payroll is the biggest line item for any business, for any small business, especially any any brick and mortar, specifically small business. And so, there, depending on how long this goes. Um, there is going to probably need to be a choice between the you know the amount of hours that people's employees work and you know other operating costs and keeping the business open. We I have it right now. We're still open for business. We're still doing events. We're still asking people to come. We're taking a lot of extra precautions to keep the space sanitized and clean. we I got a letter from the CEO of Adytown Coffee, which is a you know a beloved local coffee uh, roastery. Which is which, with a much more dire um, uh, look at what's happening, because especially if you are if catering is a big part of your business, you know, very few people are doing events and very few tech offices are open. And so all of the restaurants and coffee distributors uh, and all the all the vendors for tech offices in the city and 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 events that rely on catering, they're seeing a huge hit. So how do you think about
0: what Manny's is absent the IRL gatherings?
3: I'm not not—I'm not going to stop Manny's, right? There are some tools at our disposal. Right now, my staff is looking at some kind of webcasting tools where people can either for free or uh, if they're willing to pay a little bit, tune into uh, conversations that we will put on, maybe one-on-one conversations, maybe digital conversations, utilizing social media to educate and inform the public. But I'm not going to lie. That's not my preference. You know, I built Manny's because I believe that these conversations are best had in person. It's not what I want to do. It's not why I built the space I built, but it's a stopgap measure.
0: How long do you think Manny's can do this?
3: It's hard to say. We're going to keep putting on programming and we're going to experiment with with doing programming in a way that is still uh, allowed. um, And that might work. And so we'll be able to continue to do that until uh, we're allowed to do it in person. There's there's a piece of this that is about the public mood, and there's a piece of this that's about the public health. And the thing that I'm more, I am as concerned by as the public health ramifications of all this is just the need to stay calm and not panic, and to keep one's chin up and. The way I see my, myself and my position right now in the community and with the space that I have is also to model good behavior in terms of what I'm saying, how I'm acting, what I'm doing, um, because this, this virus is serious and should be taken seriously. And also, we have to be um, aware of our emotional reaction to it as well.
0: And what you're talking about there is leadership. That's what it means to be a leader in our community, to be balanced in our approach to this, to be a connector to other people, and to bring other people the energy that will help us all to thrive rather than to live in fear.
3: And it's important to have some historical perspective. It's important to um, to take a, take a step back and to not let uh, and to not lose sight of kind of the context of where we are in our lives, and that you know humans have been through a lot. And we will be we will get through this as well.
0: That was Manny Yucutiel. He runs Manny's, a cafe and event space in San Francisco. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing. New currencies come and go. Decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays
2: off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life... When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the LinkedIn Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Which brings us to our final guest a familiar voice. When we heard from Kate Burson in our special episode recently on quarantine, it seemed like things were getting better where she lives in Milan. But days later, Italy shut everything down. And now
4: Kate lives in a red zone. From our perspective, kind of out of nowhere, at 2 in the morning, Sunday morning, uh, the national government announces that the entire region of Lombardy, so again, that's uh, 10 million people, um, they said, we're, we're creating a red zone there, and you're going to be uh, contained in that area until further notice. Uh, and they gave everybody kind of a day to get situated back in their homes. But another thing that it led to was people who lived in the north, which is in Lombardy, needed, felt a need to go back and be with their family that might have been in Sicily or Rome. And so even though they were the community that was not supposed to leave, because they could be contaminated. They couldn't imagine not being able to be home with their relatives and potentially take care of them. So in that process, over the course of a day, people were violating the, the lockdown requirements. And shortly after the entire country was under lockdown. You
0: sent some pictures today from going grocery shopping. What was that like?
4: It was was very strange. I was shocked to see a huge line outside of the store and people were wearing masks and, you know, separated kind of the government uh, mandated distance apart in the line. And I noticed that the store was only letting in like two people at a time to be in the in the shopping center. And there was a line that wrapped all the way around the store. No, it it felt like a different world. And how long did you wait to get in? Well, so I was not going to wait in line, even a well-spaced line.
0: A Coca-Cola wasn't that important, It
4: wasn't that important, but there was a supersized grocery store not too far away. So I walked to the supersized one, and there was actually not a line outside. But inside, over the loudspeaker, the whole time I was in there, they were yelling, not yelling, they were saying to us, please be sure to stand a meter apart from each other keep your distance, and there were signs all over the store uh, and security guards outside making sure people were uh, keeping their distance from each other. Gosh, that just makes me
0: feel so sad inside. Even to be out among the people is to try to stay far away from the people. How are you doing with all this? It's weird. I will
4: say, I ha- after coming back from the grocery store, my husband, <laughs> my husband tried to give me a kiss on the cheek. I was like, what are you doing? I'm not supposed to touch you. you're another human. so it's uh it feels uh, very it's um, schizophrenic type of experience. I mean, where I actually do get humanity is to take my dog outside, and fortunately, dogs at least do not tr- transmit the disease to humans. so for our purposes, they get to play a lot, and all the owners, we stand far apart, but we we talk to each other, and it's kind of a nice a nice, very human, authentic moment to share with each other.
0: Yeah. So you're looking at being in this situation now for weeks at a minimum. So how are you thinking about what kinds of things you're going to do over the next few weeks to make sure that
4: you keep your faculties intact? I I need, I need a structure. Uh, I will say uh, having... My husband in the space is wonderful, but we we probably need to coordinate, you know, calls and who takes the dog out so she's not barking when we're both on calls, those things. but So structure, trying to get some exercise, create a routine because I don't see it ending tomorrow.
0: Well, listen, Kate, I didn't expect when we spoke last week that this would be the situation, but I'm glad to see that you're looking good and- that you got your coca-cola today and I hope we can catch up again soon
4: (laughs) so do I make sure you do a better job of stocking up than we did
0: (laughs) talk to you later bye again that was Kate Burson thanks to everyone who wrote and posted to share your stories please keep them coming do you have new routines right now are you helping anyone out anyone helping you write to us and I may give you a call or follow Becky's lead Record a voice memo in your smartphone and send it to us at hellomonday at LinkedIn.com. I'll keep sharing these stories. I think it's important. And while we'll continue to cover COVID-19's impact on our work, it cannot be our only story. Next week, we'll bring you a fresh episode on designing your work life with Bill Burnett and Dave Evans, professors at Stanford. If you like our show, and we hope you do, please rate us on Apple Podcasts. It takes two seconds and it really helps new listeners find us. Hello Monday is a production of LinkedIn. The show was produced by Sarah Storm. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Florencia Uriando is head of original audio and video. Dave Pond is our technical director. Maya Mangini, Victoria Taylor, Michaela Greer, and Juliette Faroe bring the hand sanitizer. Our music was composed just for us by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. And you also heard music from Poddington Bear. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. I'm Jesse Hempel. Please wash those hands. See you next Monday, and thanks for listening. Hey Jude, this is my office. That's a microphone. Well, if you press that, everything crashes. Yeah, you gotta press it anyways.